This is podcast number two, uh, Kevin Sanders from Cancer to Courage. I uh, just want to say, how's it going, everyone out there? Uh, my good buddy Dario, my, my good buddy Dario here. It's me. Mm-hmm. That's, that's Dario. <laughs> hey, guys. Are you ready? You're ready to be encouraged today. Are you ready to be encouraged? Yeah. <laughs> All right. Let's do it, Kevin. So the, uh, the, first, the first episode, we went over um, um, I had cancer and how it was discovered and um, the symptoms I had, and we were just, uh, just getting into the surgery. We left off on the surgery. So here, okay, we're going to jump into this right now. So you said that, I don't know, if they gave you an option about having a, uh, being awake while um, being in surgery? Eh, I guess it wasn't so much of an option. It was like they, they wheeled me in, um, and then they gave me an, another MRI right before I went in, right. and they had told me and my family um, that it was far enough away from the motor strip of my brain, mm-hmm. which controls the rest of your body. Right. Um, it was far enough away that they didn't have to have uh, awake surgery. Right, right. So that was obviously preferred um, because there would have been – so many more people in the room, like anesthesiologists and people in there to monitor you to make sure you're under the right, um, the right kind of um, pain medications, even though there's no pain cells in your brain. So they could be digging in your brain and you wouldn't feel any pain, no nerve receptors. Um, so yeah, they basically said it, the tumor was far enough away that they wouldn't have to do awake surgery. So we were happy about that. Great, great, great. So you were asleep when they did the surgery. Yep, that's right. That's mm-hmm. right. They uh, knocked me out, and they said it could take anywhere from two to four hours, and it ended up taking two hours. Right, and they did give you the 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 the, the, um, the odds about it. You know what's going to mm-hmm. happen if something happens. Yeah. So, um, place where they're operating, it was like a a fifteen percent chance. Um, That'd be in a wheelchair for the rest of my life. Well, so the, the place they were operating um, would affect the right side of my body. Like it, it could be, it could be weaker. The right side of my body, like my left arm or my right arm and my right leg, that w- they could be weaker, or they just might not work at all. Hey, Kevin. So, did you tell uh, the listeners what type of surgery you had? Uh, excuse me, what type of cancer you had? Um, I, <laughs> so. After surgery, they uh, they had to dissect it. Right. Um, like, I, I really wanted the tumor back, but mm, they wouldn't more, give more, it to me. because your tumor. They can't give you a tumor. They, I wanted it back, but they wouldn't give it to me. They had to dissect it into uh, such small pieces. I wonder why pieces. they can't give you a tumor. That's crazy. It came out your head, huh? Yeah, it's mine. Yeah, I your want tumor. it back. Huh. Yeah. Well, actually, you don't want it back. <laughs> I want it back in my hands, not my head. Yeah, yeah. Um, so they had to dissect it up, and um, they were family was really hoping it was going to be a grade two and in a grade two, you wouldn't have to do radiation or chemo, but if any part of it is a grade above it, that they have to, they basically have to save the whole tumor, mm. um, is that grade. So it came back. There's a, a chunk of it, I guess was a grade three. And so they had to classify the whole thing as grade three. And, um, so, so, but, but did they tell you the type of, uh, cancer? Mm. Yeah, it was actually a, a grade three. This took a while for me to to learn how to say. All right. Uh, Found ol- it out. Oligodendrodendroglioma. Right. So can can we hear that one more time for the readers? 
The listeners. I'll go Dendro Glioma. I'll go I'll go Dendro Dendro Glioma. I told you guys his memory is like uh, not there. Yeah, it's it's it, it's not. Oh, but 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 it's a glioma for sure. That's it. It's glioma. Glioma. <laughs> but check it out, guys. So so Kevin, okay, you have this this surgery, this uh, cancer um, that we can't pronounce. Yeah. Um, it, it was a grade three. Um, so uh, I I basically say that people as a joke. I was like, if you have a tumor, it's like one in a hundred thousand people gets one. And so if you're with me, the odds are pretty good. It's not going to happen to you. Oh, thank God. I feel better now. <laughs> wow. Thank you, sir. Wow. That's inc- you encourage me. Yeah, it's good. I'm glad <laughs> I encouraged someone in the room. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So listen. So, okay. So uh, where, where are we? They, 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 uh, it was a great three tumor. Um, yeah. And... Uh, Tell us more. Um, so they basically said uh, before my surgery, like um, they told me the the um, the odds of me um, the odds of me being in a wheelchair, like my right side not working anymore, is fifteen percent. So I basically spent the next month before the surgery. It was a couple weeks, I believe, before the surgery. And I had to call work back and tell them the news, and uh, and I, I basically was like, well, you know, hopefully I don't come back in a wheelchair. Uh, that would be bad. And um, so when I was at home, I actually made videos in a mirror of me moving the right side of my body because I'm thinking, you know, when I get a surgery, I'm gonna watch these videos again, and I'm going to be like. I, in the videos, I was like, this is how you move your right arm. This is how you move your right leg. And I was pointing at myself in the mirror, and I was like, you better remember this. Wow. You better you better remember how to move the right side of your body. Because uh, this, this is a big deal. I don't know how many people have to go through this. Um, well, it was, it was pretty... pretty uh, um, it was... What's the word I'm looking for? To, to to videotape yourself in the mirror. What is the word I'm looking for? Uh, creative or what would you say? I don't know. It just seemed like a normal thing to do at the time. To videotape yourself <laughs> in the mirror. <laughs> yeah. All right. Okay. So 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 you're in the mirror. You're you're, you're yeah. doing this. How do you move your hands? How do you move your legs? Mm-hmm. Um, now, did you think that uh, you would actually remember how to do that? I mean, I mean, I was that, hoping. Uh, well, well, yeah. you, you're in the mirror and you're doing your thing, right? Mm-hmm. Did you think that? You would have the the um, the memory, the capacity to do what you did in the mirror. Does that make sense? Uh, to, yeah. To, to, to recap, yeah. to uh, you know. So it's like after surgery, That's if I it. came back and it's like I can't move my right leg, if I watch this video and I'm like, oh yeah, now I know how. Oh yeah. Uh, that was the idea that I would know how, and um, that, that you had the memory that that you had that. Yeah, know. I was thinking if I made this video, it'd be like the cure to my. Being in a wheelchair, right, right, and that, and that, that, wow, okay, what happened next, man? Um, so went into surgery. Um, it actually took about two hours, and uh, my family, uh, my stepdad, my mom, and the girlfriend were there at the time, and they all knew 
that um, they all knew the percent chance I wouldn't be able to move the right side of my body again. And uh, it's crazy enough because uh, being left-handed mm-hmm. had um, some some pretty big impact on this. Uh, so I understood at the time when I woke up that I needed to be able to move the right side of my body. And so I started moving my hand and moving my foot. I was covered up with uh, tons and tons of blankets and had uh, white white bandages wrapped around my head. And I was all plugged in. And, and I could see my hand and my foot was sticking out the end. And I could, I could see that they were moving. And I was just like, this is amazing. They're going to be so impressed. They're going to be so proud of me. Mm-hmm. This, is, this is awesome. I got a video out of yeah. your video. <laughs> I don't even need those videos. <laughs> Um, that's great man but uh, when they came in um, they were incredibly happy and everyone started crying and and then they realized that I was moving the right side of my the right side of my body and that just made them even more happy and they were jumping and and crying and delicately trying to hug me it was uh, it was a good good (laughs) best of the worst time Hey, so listen, here's a question for you. How did people uh, uh, react to you? How did they treat you when they found out you had cancer? You know, how did they, um, did they like um, feel sorry for you, treat you any type of of way where it made you feel uncomfortable? Yeah. um, So it's like people, when you run into people that you haven't, uh, you haven't talked to face to face about it, but they know that you've had you had a tumor or that you have you know they automatically just think you're gonna die mm. and they just come up to you and they start crying before you can even say anything <laughs> wow. before you can you can get anything out of your mouth they start crying and or they look at you like they feel sad for you and um and it's like the worst thing to do. When you, when you meet someone that has like a serious illness, like that person doesn't want you to feel sorry for them. Like all I wanted is for you to be normal. I was like, just treat me normal. I actually watched a YouTube video today about a guy that had his left arm chopped off in uh, the military. He was like 25 years old or something. And, and he didn't want everyone to talk about how it got chopped off and repeat the story over and over. Mm-hmm. He just wanted everyone to treat him normally. He was a drummer and he just attached the a drumstick to his arm, what was left of his arm. And he would just uh, drum away and he didn't want anyone to ask him anything. He was like, just treat me normal. And that's, and, that, and, that, and that's, that's a crazy part when you, when you have a, uh, an illness or some type of uh, disease or even cancer to see people on the street and see your family members, and the first thing they do is just start start bawling, <laughs> crying. And, like you know, uh, that's not you, very encouraging. I don't want sympathy. I'm like yeah. that's not gonna that's not gonna make me feel any better. Right. Yeah. Right. Right. I mean, I can't even imagine. So, okay. Um, did your girlfriend treat you any differently? Um. You know, when no. she found out that maybe you would be in a wheelchair or, or you're not the same guy she. Um, hmm you know, that she uh, liked or fell in love with or dated before. It was kind of interesting. So um, I think it was two weeks after I made her my girlfriend. You pinned her? Yeah. 
that this happened. <laughs> yeah. And like, yeah, she doesn't know what she's in for. Um, but um, it actually, the the whole relationship at that point became about myself and getting myself better. Mm. Um, and, and was she supportive? Yeah, she was very supportive. She actually uh, uh, stuck there, stuck with me through it all, and um, and just became like um, basically like a, a loving sister at the time. Wow. Well. Everybody needs love, Kevin. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so as long as she didn't treat you any 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 differently about um because it's funny, not funny, but if you're in a relationship, um, let's say you're young, a marriage is different. Or is it? If your wife or your husband uh is is suddenly ill, do you treat them the same? Do do you feel the same way about them as if they were uh um well? I think I actually told her at the time, I was like, I maybe I didn't. But I feel like I should have, or I did. Um, I was like, I don't think you knew what you were in for, and uh, like, you don't have to stay here with me if you don't want to. Did you mean that though? Yeah. Like, if I flipped the, she barely knew me. I mean, we just started dating. So, so you think she signed up? For, she didn't sign up for this. Yeah, uh, I felt like I would. I should have been given the chance if it were reversed. I don't. I have no idea what I would have done either, but so did you feel sorry for yourself because you weren't the guy that she she dug before, you know, or that she, um, you know, that she I guess fell in love with, or that she wanted to a relationship with? Did you feel? Um, yeah. Is that a dumb question? Did I you think, feel? I think because I was focusing on myself so much that I couldn't think about others in in that kind of way like i had to i had to focus on myself and getting myself better like i had to put 100 percent of that in there mm, wow wow that's that's really encouraging <laughs> that's really encouraging hey did mm. i ask you um did you was this cancer that you had was it hereditary or, or what um no so I know a lot of cancers are. Um, the only cancer that's been in my family line was my grandfather, mm. and he just had like a, a small benign tumor. I don't remember where, but it was just like a, the kind of cancer that didn't grow. Uh, and that was it. So I'm like, uh, I'm number one. I'm the, uh, I'm that cherry. You're the cherry, huh? Yeah, yeah. cherry popping mm-hmm. cancer wow. patient. Did you did you did you feel that you were gonna die, man? Um, I don't think so. I think there is only a, yeah, there is one time when I was uh, in my bedroom and, uh, I was on my knees and, um, and I was just crying. Right. And, uh. And I was just asking, like, God, like, why me? Why? Why did you give this to me? Like, like, you know, this doesn't happen to very many people, especially when they're so so young. And um, I was just, I went through all the range of emotions. I was uh, crying and yelling and, and so upset. And, uh, 
And I had realized after that that um, that I couldn't do anything about uh, like anything that I was doing at that point. Cut this out. I realized that. Um, Cut, cut. So you, you realized that you couldn't do anything about it, you said. Yeah, so I realized that uh, um, that the end of that, all the crying, it wasn't doing anything for me. Like, I was literally going nowhere in life. This was bringing no positivity to my life. And I could only see going downhill from here. Well, you know, I mean, yeah, you were crying, but I mean, the average Joe will cry if, 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 if they're struck with, with, with cancer, man. Cancer is... It's scary. Yeah. You know, I, I, you, you, um, you make it look easy. If that, if that makes sense to you, um, being so young and, and dealing with this, with this cancer at an early age, um, and then seeing you now, 37 years old, you make it, you make it look very, um, uh, easy. Thanks. Well, you know, uh, if, that, if that's, I don't want to sound really weird, but but I when I look at you, I don't I don't see um, you know we joke around we call it Eeyore. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> oh, poor me! I'm not yep. gonna get better. Oh, <laughs> I need to poo. Yeah. I see. <laughs> I see. I I, I see that uh, you 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 do, when you have encouraged other people and in, uh, in this and in, in, uh, dealing with cancer. You have been an encouragement. Um, when I say that you make it look easy, I don't know what's going on through your head, but you don't come across to me as, as being that um, wet blanket, that Eeyore type of person. Well, my entire life, I've always known that like your time here is short. And um, this whole thing just solidified it for me. And um, I don't know, you always read those sayings like, Live live every day like it's your last. Yeah. Um, and you have, you never actually understand that till you're in a situation. Um, it's like you've lived your entire life looking through a magnifying glass, like picking out all the the little things, the tiny little things, and dwelling on them. And when when this thing is like in front of you, when you know when cancer hits you, all of a sudden you zoom way out and realize what's really important that. Um, guess you know if if you could see a huge turning point in your life and it was it was coming at you would would you want to know about it yeah what would what would you think well it is it is i mean like i said uh, earlier that you do make it easy not that it was easy but i know if i had cancer um i i i i, I don't know what I would not be as, uh, I don't think I would make it easy like you did, like you have made it easy. Um, when I say easy, I just mean you're more of an of a encourager, <laughs> you know, yeah. uh, uh, that there's, there's, there's life after cancer. There's, there's, there's hope. Yeah. Um, cancer does not mean a death sentence, like I'm just going to die, I'm going to die. Right. Um, that there's there's life. You still have a fight. You still have um, 
more life to live and, and more things to accomplish. That's what I mean when I say you made it easy because seeing you now, Kevin, you, 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 you're um, just brilliant. You, you, Thank you. Um, I mean, those <laughs> you are. And I, I, I guess I'm saying it because I dig you, but I don't know, even, even uh, looking at you now, how what's going on through your head, you know, um, the future and, 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 and uh, will this cancer ever come back, man? I'm going to pray not. Um, this whole cancer thing kind of just solidified the fact that life is short and um, to take advantage of every opportunity you get and don't dwell on the tiny things. Like it's not worth it. Um, stress is like poison to your body. And anybody that hears they have cancer, like so many of them just go down, down, down. They get depressed and, and, and stress. And then um, cancer ends up, ends up taking over anyway because it's just like stress is poison to your body. So as your body declines, you get less sleep and, and then your body just gets worse and then you get sickness and illness and then you die anyway. Right. It was right. interesting. There was a, a study I read about a while ago where um, they had, uh, maybe it wasn't a study, it was a, a story that um, a doctor accidentally gave a person a wrong diagnosis of having some kind of cancer. And um, she actually died, um, but she's, her health slowly declined because she was so upset and so depressed, and she ended up dying from another illness it just shows you like the the power of your mind and um how strong your mind is it's, it's all mind over matter well you know earlier you showed me some photographs of, of of the surgery of of um of your head man of your incisions can you tell us more about that uh yeah so they actually had to to shave my head um a lot of people that was funny people thought I looked like um Justin Timberlake but they, they had to, they shaved my head. And um, so after surgery, uh, sorry, during surgery, um, so I had to, let me backtrack a little bit. So my surgeon was actually um, Dr. Myers. He was from uh, National Geographic. And wow. he was, he was the lead neurosurgeon at Mayo Clinic. And he was teaching other neurosurgeons at that time. And so during surgery, I guess um, somehow a bubble got into my bloodstream, into my brain. Wow. So they immediately knew to tip the bed back and have all the blood flow out of the top of my, my head, like out of the, out of the, 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 the wound, the, the cut they made and uh, to push the bubble out of my head. So um, pictures that I had were like streams of, blood stained down the sides of my head and uh, so they cut like a, a C shape in my skull and they just flapped it flapped it open like a um, like a, a trap door hinged, hinged on my skin mm. and um, then they did what they needed to do and they closed it and um, how many staples they put in my head but they nice little staples around my my C shape. I always say it was C for cancer. 
<laughs> so you had the C shape uh, on top of your head, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was. Uh, I think that was the only pain I really had is, uh, um, because your skin obviously has a lot of pain, but that was it. Like they kept asking me, um, like my nurse at the time, she kept asking like my pain meds, like, uh, how much, how much more pain meds do you need? Um, do you, or what was it like one out of 10? how much pain are you feeling? And she would say like two or three and I'd repeat, well, I don't know, two or three. <laughs> and so anything she said, I'd repeat it. And so after surgery, um, they had me have a speech therapist come in and um, check my speech and I could go through um, flashcards very quickly and easily, like watch, tree, movie, box. Um, but they would ask me, she would ask me like, now tell me about your favorite movie. And my favorite movie is like Into the Wild. And she said, tell me about it. And I was just like, guy travels, dies in bus. Or tell me about how you play baseball. And I, the only things I could say were like bases, ball, running. And so obviously I knew something was pretty wrong at that point they had taken a they'd taken a chunk out of my brain that um basically controls speech to thought and so one night when i was in the hospital in bed um i felt like a gurgling in my head it was like i felt like bubbles moving around obviously there's a um um a large hole left in my brain. Speaking of, the golf ball size grew to a tennis ball size within really? that month. Really? And um, I thought they took it out, man. They did, but I mean, the month prior to surgery. So the uh, from the initial MRI to right before they wheeled me into surgery, it grew into a tennis ball size. Wow! Wow! And and and, and could you feel that, like? You know, any, any type of foreign growth uh, on your body, you actually can feel it. But did you did you feel this in your head? No. Uh, tennis balls? No. Like yeah. Tennis balls, pretty big, man. It was like squishing the rest of my brain, which is probably why I was having nosebleeds. Wow. And uh, in episode one, I had talked about how, like, I could hear voices coming in through my ears, like as right. if someone was talking to me. Right. And I guess all that pressure was crossing connections in my brain. It was pretty crazy. So you had this tennis ball-sized uh, tumor in your head. Yeah. Where was it, man? Was it in the back or the front? Where was it? It was uh, my upper frontal lobe. So um, just a little bit back from my left eyebrow. Wow. Wow. And when they took it out, the, the gurgling was um, there's spinal fluid that fills into that empty part in your brain. I was hoping, you know, I would just have more brain grow back. You know, mm. I'd be all of a sudden I'd be like a genius. Be smarter, huh? Yeah, get smarter every day. <laughs> if I only had a brain. <laughs> <laughs> that's, a, that's, a, that's a joke I always use <laughs> I now. It's like, well, your brain's bigger than mine. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. It's like how big is yours, right? <laughs> but, 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 um, so what was the healing process of of, of the scars? Um, I I saw these pictures of you 
get uh, um, two, look like two um, incisions on your head. Yeah. Uh, one in front, one in back. Let me go back to oh, the, the, uh, the, the, the gurgling thing. My, oh, yeah. uh, mm. uh, the girlfriend and my mom were, were asking me what's wrong because all of a sudden I sat up and I looked like I, don't know, I had seen a ghost. And all I could say, I'd point at my head and I was like, bah, bubble. Uh, uh, and all I could get out was like, gurgle. And um, so they had contacted the doctor and they're like, yeah, it's just, um, they said, it's just my body trying to get rid of whatever bubbles were up there. And at the time, it was just like this weird feeling like a sloshy as I move my head. It's extremely weird. Really? So you felt like, you were like a, a, a 7-Eleven <laughs> uh, a Slurpee? Yeah. You had Slurpee on your head, huh? Yeah, it wasn't that drastic, but huh. I could feel it being different and semi-sloshy. It was so so, so uh, explain that. What do you mean by that? Uh, no, it was like... It was sloshy it was in like, your head? Like, like, like <laughs> you're walking on the snow and then, you know... It was like if you could imagine it, bloop, bloop, bloop. Okay. In your in your brain, somehow yeah. like in your skull, above your eyes, be, behind your eyes, bloop, bloop. <laughs> it's like, how do you explain that to someone when you only have a couple words to say? Well, you you just did. <laughs> well, yeah. Well, the only thing was like you could I could think perfectly fine, right? But it was really frustrating because I could think everything I wanted to say, mm-hmm. but I couldn't. Like right. there's a, like a filter. It like reduced the the bandwidth, the uh, the capacity that I could speak, and it just took it all away to where I could only say one or two words at a time. So, so how long were you in speech therapy? Um, I had a speech therapist uh, just after surgery, and she said it would naturally get better over over time. Right. And um, it, I think it, I don't know how many months it took. Maybe it was up to a year it slowly gotten better and i i I'd realized it was getting better but at some point a couple years later i i noticed it wasn't getting any better so i think i'm at i think i got it back up to like 85 80 percent better oh, but i still have a lot of problems with words right that was that was back then yeah now you speak fine hey so 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 about fine <laughs> yeah <laughs> so you you called your job you were in contact with your job mm, yeah. um how did they uh, treat you? Um, they were actually super, super nice. Um, it's interesting. There's a tiny little loophole in uh, all insurance companies. It's like you can be out of work for several months, but then after that, if you're not working, what was it? Like you can be out of work for three or six months, but if you're not working 40 hours a week after that, that they kick you off the insurance. And so my company, I don't know if I should say this or not, but they, um, they basically said I was working full time, even though I wasn't. Oh, you, you had the favor of God basically. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Seriously. Yeah. Yeah. Really, really. Um, yeah. And a lot of people, if they have, uh, um, cancer or, or, or some type of sickness. For some reason, you always think about your job. I mean, mm-hmm. if I'm, you know, really, you know you, you know, you think about your health, but you think about making ends meet. Yeah. 
Um, I don't remember how uh, how I felt about not working. Hmm. I know I was running out of money fast. And did um, you get some type of disability? Oh no, you can't because they said you were working, right? Yeah. So at the time they said I was still working, but um, um, I applied for disability. You hear about uh, all my story are so many. So many God things like um, during this whole time beforehand, um, I was raised in a Christian household. Right. But um, I was straying quite a bit. Like mm-hmm. I was way off path. And um, everyone that I knew was praying for me. My mom, um, my mom had several church locations and I was all on their, their prayer lists. Um, I was born in Canada and I, uh, me and my brother, mom and dad, and they moved, uh, moved down to Indiana when I was probably like a couple years old. And, um, dad was a pastor and, um, and, um, we ended up getting a divorce later on. Um, but I had strayed since then. So I was a pastor's kid, you know, pastor's kids go crazy. (laughs) Well, yeah. They go off the rails, and uh-huh. so this was actually the thing that that brought me back. Right, right, and there's, right. I've had uh, so many stories in my life about various God things, and um, it's it's amazing. God, God has really God has had your back, and I I keep uh, bring uh, bring it back to the person I see today. Wow! If a person sees you, Kevin, mm-hmm. they wouldn't realize that you had that you. Had cancer. That's um, a thing. I was like, unless, you know, unless, unless you tell them I have cancer, right. <laughs> had cancer. But really, like, I mean, uh, yeah. you know, it's it's such you you're you're such a um, blessing and encouragement to other people. And I really hope this uh, this podcast number two has uh, mm. helped you out and, and and gave you some encouragement and and hopefully bless you. Um, once again, I I know we we kind of um have a little humor in it because you have to, yeah. you know, you got to really laugh at some things sometimes, you know? Why so serious? Yeah, it's it's very serious. <laughs> no, why so serious? Oh, why I so can, serious? Yeah, you can laugh about it. Laugh about it's it. Like, make them laugh. But make them laugh. But then again, let them know that that there's hope. There's hope, man. Yeah. There's hope. Um, your cancer is not a goodbye, a death sentence. There's always hope. Um, I'm not a doctor. Although I play a doctor on TV, Dario's <laughs> an actor. <laughs> yeah, as an actor, you know, I play yeah. a doctor when I when I work. But yeah. uh, you know, it's it's just it's just encouragement. And um, we're about to sign off now, Kevin. You have something to say? Yeah, um, I just want to uh, hope that everyone uh, is feeling I don't know better about their lives after this. Um, thanks for tuning in, um, and I just uh, want to say my. Uh, my lifelong script my lifelong scripture is Jeremiah twenty nine eleven. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope in the future. Hope to see you guys back next episode. Amen, we'll guys. Talk more about uh surgery and uh symptoms and I had to have chemo and radiation and we'll talk about that. That's coming up next. Right. Hey guys, thank you so much and we will we'll, um you hear from us. Thank you so much. We'll see you guys later.